You're listening to a podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. There's a 29-year-old girl who was recently married, beautiful young lady, recently married, and on November the 1st, she is going to die. She has the medications that will see to it that she will die on November the 1st. She was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and the doctors gave her um, a, a certain time to live, but that time has been accelerated in a great way, and the prognosis for the, the struggle with that, as well as for the surgery, um, surgery is just not possible, and it's an excruciating kind of pain. And so she has kind of figured it out with lawyers and that, and, and has, has purchased the right kind of medication and different things, and is kind of having her farewell to the world, to her family, even now. And on November the 1st, because she said, power to the people, I can decide these kind of things. And it's such a a sad kind of thing that that goes on, things like that that's happening in our world. Or sometimes power to the people can can be a good thing. It, it, It means that people band together and work together to accomplish some really good things. I mean, if you watch professional sports, especially football right now in the month of November, there's a lot of pink that is going, that players are wearing. And you remember a few years ago, you would hear the thing that real men don't wear pink. And, and I believe that real men can wear pink, and they do wear pink. And, and I've worn pink from time to time. Actually, when I was in college, I had a really nice, nice pink t-shirt that my sister kept stealing. If I was trying to find my pink t-shirt, I'd have to go into my sister's room and find it there. But uh, anyways, they're banding together professional athletes and and that and and wearing pink in honor of breast cancer support and just drawing awareness to that. And so power of the people can be a very positive thing. There can be a negative aspect to it or a very sort of selfish aspect to it. I have my rights, I'll do whatever I want. But today I want to talk about a different kind of power to the people. The power to the people can be found in Acts chapter 2 as we look at the passage here that we're going to continue on in our series through the first four chapters of the book of Acts. Don't worry, we're not going to go through the first four today. We're just going to go through a section of of chapter two. But this is a very pivotal passage in the Bible. And when it comes, because it's speaking about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Prior to this passage, prior to Acts 2, the Holy Spirit was more in the background, more in the shadows, so to speak. But now after in Acts 2 and beyond, we see the Holy Spirit move into the forefront of the gospel work, of the ministry. And and we see the Spirit's change as far as His presence in the lives of the people and within the church. And this is where we see power to the people as being available. Pentecost was an epic one-time event, just in the way that parting of the Red Sea was an epic one-time event, or the giving of the law on Mount Sinai was an epic one-time event, or the birth of Christ was a one-time event. We don't need another birth of Christ. We don't need another crucifixion, cross, resurrection. That's already happened. Well, in Acts chapter 2, we have Pentecost, which was an epic one-time event, But the power that came on that day to people like you and me is something that we need to continue to seek. It is something that we need in our lives. By the way, there's one more epic, one-time event that is yet to come. 
the return of Jesus Christ. And we're waiting for that. And that could happen at any time. And that will be epic. It will be one time. And it will be amazing. But the power to the people that came at Pentecost is far different than any human-generated power that is out there today. This power is from God himself. The promise of the Holy Spirit was given in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We talked about that a few weeks ago, where Jesus gave these words to his disciples in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, God is passionate about getting the gospel to the ends of the earth. He is passionate about you and me being witnesses for him. And he desires to use you and me to do this. You go, me? Really? I'm supposed to be a witness for him? I'm supposed to be a carrier of the gospel? Yes. You might say, but, but I'm older. Can I, can I really do this? Yes, he wants to use you. I'm too young. He wants to use you. I'm not very smart. I, I don't know the Bible very well. Well, get reading it and get moving in that. But I've got a past. I've done some awful, terrible things. I, I may be restricted from it because of what I've done. No. Whoever's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. But how do we do this? Our own power, our own strength? Absolutely not. It's by the Holy Spirit's power, the indwelling Spirit's power in us. And the key verse today that I would love for you to, to get into your minds is Acts chapter 2, verse 4. You may even want to underline it in your Bibles. And, and it says there, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to actually even repeat that with me, all right? Because I want you to get it into your minds because this is an amazing truth. I'm going to say it one more time and then I'm going to have you join me in saying it. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, let's repeat it together. And they were all filled. Amen. All right. And, and this is a reality not only for them, this is a reality and can be in our own lives here today. You see, in this passage in, in the book of Acts, it's in Acts 1. This wasn't the first time, though, that the Holy Spirit was promised. It was promised throughout the Old Testament. The book of Joel promised it. Years and years before that, he says, And in the last day, God declares, I will pour my Spirit out on all flesh. In Jeremiah, in Ezekiel, they prophesied about the Holy Spirit's coming. John the Baptist in Luke 3, he promised the Holy Spirit that he would come in, in, with spirit and in fire. He talked, and then Jesus talked about it extensively, especially in the book of John, specifically in John chapter 7, but also in John um, 15, 16, throughout um, the book of John. Again, Jesus talked about the helper, the comforter that would come. And in the Old Testament... The Holy Spirit functioned a little bit differently than he will here in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would empower, would indwell people for a certain time, for a specific period, for a specific task. And then oftentimes the Holy Spirit would depart. You see that in who is a really strong muscle-bound guy who the Spirit of the Lord came upon him? Samson. You know what? More than likely, he probably wasn't some big brute strength kind of guy. He may have just been a very normal kind of guy. I mean, not with big bulging kind of muscles that we often think. But that he was empowered with the Spirit for certain physical activities. 
And, um, and you can read, and you may be familiar with that story. King Saul, King Solomon, David, all of these individuals were, were filled with the Spirit's power for a certain time. And remember even David at one point, he says, oh, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. But now it's going to be shifting. Specific people for a specific task for a certain amount of time. But now the promise of the Holy Spirit is different. It is now available for all who believe. And in John chapter 14, Jesus even says, and this Holy Spirit, he is going to indwell you forever. The Holy Spirit will not leave. So let's pick up the story in Acts chapter 2 verse 1. And it says there in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. The day of Pentecost, this was an annual feast, an annual celebration. This was the feast. It was a festival 50 days after Passover. Passover was the reminder of the Israelites leaving Egypt, crossing over the Red, um, through the Red Sea, not over the Red Sea, but through the Red Sea on dry ground. And it was now, that was Passover, but about 50, 50 days later was the celebration of the giving of the law when, when Moses went up to Mount Sinai. And it was also a celebration of the end of the harvest and time to bring your first fruits to the temple. And there were three annual feasts that were held by the, um, the Israelites or by the Jewish people that required devout Jews from all over the world, from wherever they had spread to come back to Jerusalem for these three annual feasts. And this was one of them. And so Jerusalem would have been packed out with people. But here in verse 1, when it says they were all together, this is the 120 that we talked about last week. These were followers of Christ. There was the 12 disciples in there, as well as Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and some of the other women. And, and so there was this group of 120. Were they in the upper room? We're not sure exactly where they were at, but they appeared to be in a room together. It was probably very near the temple, just because of the events that would take place. We know there was a lot of people around when this event took place. Verse 2, let's continue on, and it says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now today I want us to look at some of the details of the coming of the Holy Spirit, about the Pentecostal power that came upon the people. And the first thing we see, first of all, is the sound of Pentecost. The sound of Pentecost, and it was a mighty rushing wind. It says in uh, verse 2 that it was like a, a mighty rushing wind. Now, notice the word that it says was like a mighty rushing wind. I found it so ironic this morning when I got up, and, and um, actually before I got up, I could hear some noise outside, and I kind of thought, here we're talking about a mighty rushing wind today, and there was this incredible windstorm that was taking place at about 4.30, 5 o'clock this morning, and, and, and a little bit beyond there. And I looked out, and I saw leaves that have blown all over the place. And then a little, um, a, a young paper delivery boy um, from our household, let's not go to that picture yet, um, a, a young paper delivery boy um, who lives at our house, left some papers on our front, um, uh, front door area, and somehow those were littered all over the, the front entry, entry this morning. And 
he, his question to me at 6.30 when he came to join uh, us in the work here today is, how did that happen? I'm like, hmm, I wonder. You know, this mighty rushing wind did it. And if you've ever been in a windstorm, it can be pretty crazy. Um, where you see, you know what, see things happen. You see dust blowing, especially if you've lived on the prairies. You know windstorms, you know dust storms, you know debris going all over the place. Or if you've been driving on the highway and there's a gust of wind and you think, man, is that going to blow me right off the road? It's interesting just even uh, the wind and, and how it can, can react. It was a number of months ago, I was in Orchard Park Mall in the parking lot, and I noticed one of those, you know, little whirlwinds going on. You know what I'm talking about? Like one of those little mini tornadoes. And, and I kind of thought, hey, that's kind of cool. I, I should go stand in the middle of that and just see what that might be like, you know. And I was almost tempted to do it. Maybe if I was a little bit younger and maybe a touch more foolish, I maybe would have gone to try it. But as it got closer to me, I'm like, I better put my windows up. And wow, did that thing ever create some, some traction to it. It was blowing a lot of stuff all around, cigarette butts and, and, and all kinds of wrappers and different things. And it was one of the best ones I've ever seen. Some friends of mine in Alberta, though, just outside of Edmonton, put these pictures on Facebook one Sunday afternoon. This is one of those little mini tornadoes, you know, the thing I was just talking about in Orchard Park Mall. This is what it did in their backyard. It was a little bit larger of one. Nothing else was touched. Their trampoline, their little tent thing blew over the fence in just this one little swath. And it was just a beautiful, lovely Sunday afternoon, but it was just one of those little whirlwind tornado things that just came and did some lovely damage like this. And, and, and so here is the Spirit is coming. It's, it, it's with the sound, though, not a mighty rushing wind. People's hair didn't get all messed up. Scrolls weren't blowing all over the place, and coffee cups weren't spilling because of this wind. It was just the sound of wind. Ever hear a strange sound and it kind of draws some attention? I remember... As a kid in school, one day, uh, we were out on the playground, and, and we had noticed, I mean, not too far from the school, a couple blocks, was this huge tower with one of these big sirens, you know, kind of looking things on it, and all of a sudden, it was making this great big, it was twirling around, and it was kind of making this loud noise, and everyone stopped in the playground, everyone. And went, what in the world is that? And it was, they were just testing some sort of emergency response. And we had no idea that thing even existed. Or, or even then in Alberta, because where we lived, we were close to military base. And sometimes there would be some jet fighters that would come from Cold Lake. And, uh, and you have one of those things going over your house. It's amazing. You get outside pretty fast. And all of a sudden, you see all the neighbors are out on their front steps. Do you want, whoa, what was that? Well, here in Acts chapter 2, as this mighty rushing wind is happening, people are getting, what is that noise? What is going on? It drew some attention. It drew, some, drew a bit of a crowd. But this is interesting here, because in Greek and in Hebrew, the word for spirit also can be used interchangeably with the word breath or wind. In, in Genesis chapter 1, we see the spirit of God is hovering. Or could you say the breath of God is hovering at creation, at the time of creation. And when God spoke, life happened. When God breathed, and as he spoke the words and he breathed, creation took place. In Genesis chapter 2, we see that, that God took some dust and he formed it together in his hand. And, and, and he took this, this dust. And, and then what did he do? He blew some wind. 
He blew some spirit life. He, he blew into that lump of clay that he had formed with his hands, and man was created. So if somebody ever calls you a dirtbag, you can honestly just say, thank you. Thank you. That's just the way my father made me. So, so dirtbag isn't necessarily a bad word, but, but be careful who you say it to. They may not get it, you know. But, but the, the breath, the wind, the spirit of God causes life to happen. Causes life. It happened at creation. Life happened. It, it, when, when he formed human beings, when he formed Adam, life happened. In Ezekiel 37, there's this wild picture. I mean, this would, is, would be more from the... Uh, science fiction kind of thing if they were to do a depiction of aesthetic because it's a strange story in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones. And, and, and the Lord um, sends Ezekiel and he has his vision into this valley of dry bones and, and, and it's just filled with skeletons that have bleached out in the sun and, and it'd be just an awful sight. It must have been a terrible thing that took place there. And it's just full of skeletons, all these dry bones all over the place. And the Lord tells Ezekiel in this vision that he has, to speak the word of God. And as the word of God is spoken, the breath of God flows into those dry bones and life happens. Oh, it would be just a, a phenomenal. I'd love to see the video of that vision that he had when I get to heaven because that would be pretty cool. All of a sudden you see flesh and they start taking on life. Why? Because when God's word is spoken, when God breathes, life happens. Jumping ahead to Acts chapter 2 a little further on, what happened when Peter spoke the word of God? Life happened. 3,000 people received Jesus. 3,000 people were filled with the Holy Spirit. Something happens when God's word is spoken. And when we speak God's word to people around us, life happens because we're speaking the breath of God. And so we see this mighty rush of wind was a symbol, a reminder of the mighty power of God that brings life. So we have the sound of Pentecost, which is the, the breath, the wind of God. But then we have the sight of Pentecost, and, and that is tongues of fire. Hearing the sound of a mighty rushing, first of all, we have the mighty rushing wind, but then it says in verse 3, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Tongues of fire. But it wasn't really fire. It was just, it looked like fire. It says, as a fire. So it wasn't really fire. I mean, there weren't literal flames over people's heads, their, their, their hair. There wasn't the smell of, of singed hair in the room or anything like that. But why fire? Why would there be this wind? Why would there be this fire? Well, well the wind is a reminder of, of the presence and the power of God. In, in the fire, we, we see flames are a reminder or, or not... Uh, the fire is a reminder of the presence of God. That God is with us. That God is, is near to us. In Exodus chapter 13, the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness. Cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. Then later, in the temple in Jerusalem, the holy, in the Holy of Holies, the presence of God descends there in the form of a fire. The remind, fire is a reminder of the presence of God. It's also a reminder of the purity and the power of God. And God's presence, now there's a shift taking place. This is that shift I'm talking about in Acts chapter 2, where 
The Holy Spirit isn't just present at the, before at the tabernacle and now at the temple and the Holy of Holies, but the presence of God rests upon all of his children. What happens when you put wind and fire together? You get a wildfire happening, don't you? People living here in Kelowna long term, you know that quite well as you can sometimes, or even on the prairies at times. I mean, um, wind and fire, powerful, powerful combination. And here for the people here in, in the book of Acts, in the hours and the days ahead, as the wind and the fire of the Spirit came, it's, the gospel spread like a wildfire. And it continues to spread today in and through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. So if we have the sound of Pentecost and the sight of Pentecost, thirdly, we have the significance of Pentecost. And what is that? Power to the people. Power comes upon the people. This is what we were talking about at the beginning. Power comes to all believers. And, and so here in verse 4, and it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, in verse 5, it says, We're dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and, and Emelites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia. Um, some of these are very interesting sounding places. Pontius and Asia, uh, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene. And the visitors from Rome, both Jews, proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. So here they are, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. These 120 who had been gathering together, they had been praying together, waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit, we're all filled with the Holy, Holy Spirit. And God came upon them. Now, the Holy Spirit was always there in the omnipresent presence of God. He was around, but now, instead of just being around them, he came into them. He was in them, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And the sound of this mighty rushing wind, the tongues of fire, it caused people to gather and say, what's going on? This is crazy. And, and now they're hearing the word of God being spoke. And, and, and it says they all spoke. They spoke the mighty deeds of God. These are people who just weeks earlier were timid, afraid, running for their lives, not willing to stand up and to speak for Jesus, all of a sudden are speaking boldly. And what did they speak? The mighty deeds of God. They praised and they worshipped him, the one true God. They were quite possibly quoting scripture verses. They were worshiping, and, and people were hearing it in their own language. Maybe they were saying, you know what, repeating some, some, something from Psalm 34, where it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually on my mouth. My soul makes boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. They were giving God praise, and the people took notice of it because they could hear it in their own language. 
I wonder today, what do our lives speak of? When we speak, do people get a glimpse of the glory and the goodness of God? Whether that's to one another, whether that's to people in stores or in restaurants, the way that we conduct ourselves, the words that flow out of our mouths, are we quick to give God praise? Are we quick to give Him glory? What flows out of our mouths? Here's something else they spoke with extreme clarity. And it says in verse 4, And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The word tongues is another word. Another word for that is languages. So they all spoke in, in other languages. This is, a, this is a different manifestation of the Spirit than the gifts of tongues that is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. And that will be a great thing to, to cover and talk about when we get to the book of 1 Corinthians as, as the Lord leads us in that. But here in Acts chapter 2, the gift of tongues or the gift of languages that came upon the people were actual, literal languages. The other one is a prayer language that is in, in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. And here Jews who had been gathered from all over the world had come together here for this feast would speak different languages, different dialects. When I was in Chicago this past week, I got to spend some time with uh, a good friend of mine. When I was at the training center last year for four months, I, I lived with um, a, a young guy whose wife wasn't able to be there as well. And so we, we lived in a basement, a beautiful walkout basement suite uh, of some people there. And, and he grew up in Cuba, moved to Miami, and he speaks Spanish as his first language. And so as we lived together last year, we had a few interesting times of trying to understand because he, most of his, his speak, speaking is in Spanish. And um, even now, it was quite funny when we got together. I saw him on Monday morning. We were visiting, and he says, how did your lunch go? And I said, I didn't eat lunch yet. That's coming up. And be, no, how did your lunch go? What are you talking about? And then I realized, oh, how did the launch of the church go? That's what he was meaning, you know. And, and there were quite a few other little things, and I would give him a hard time. And, and, and I felt sorry for him because at times he w would be in the training center and he would have to preach, and he would preach in English. But then they, they were really smart there. Then, then they ended up saying, hey, Israel. I mean, what a, what a great name he has. His name is Israel, last name Iglesias. In Spanish, Iglesias means church. So Israel Church, great name. Anyways, love the kid. And, um, and, and so he would, would be preaching in English, and, and he would struggle, you know what, with the right English words, and he would come and ask me as he was getting ready, should I say this or not say this? Like, no, no, don't say that. that. That would not be good. You know, but say this. This might be a helpful word to, to use here. But then they said, now take and preach part of your sermon in Spanish. And it was just this... I, if they say Spanish is a language of love, I could actually believe it because when, when he would get home and he would be talking to me, it would be rather disjointed, but he'd get on FaceTime, he'd be on the phone talking with his wife, talking with people back in Miami. It was just, just this smooth, just, just up and down and so expressive. And, and it was amazing just, just I mean, for, for me to see him again and give him a little bit of a hard time as I'm sometimes known to do. Well, this would have been similar to what was happening in Jerusalem. Most of the people that were gathering would have some sort of understanding of being able to speak Aramaic. They, they would have some control of that, just in the same way that Israel, my friend, was able to speak English. But he could understand, these people would be able to understand much better if it was in their own language. 
And there's at least 16 different nations represented here, and there even may be multiple dialects on top of that. And every one of them, this huge crowd of people, because we know a little later on there's at least 3,000, there's probably quite a few more, they were all able to hear these people praising God in their own language. This was amazing. Here in Jerusalem, people are praising God, and they're hearing it in their primary language phenomenal thing was taking place. And here's even something even more amazing in verse 7. It says, And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these people who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? It says, amazed and astonished. You know what a better example for that word would be? They were distraught. I mean, their eyes would have been bulging out of their eye sockets because they were so how did that happen? How is this happening? Like, is somebody playing a joke on us? Like, this, this just makes no sense. It, it, it brought them to the point of even distress, wondering, how are these people able to hear this? They could hear God being praised in their own language. Now get this. This is what I love about the Bible. When you, you dig into it and you study it, you just find some phenomenal things. If you go back to Genesis, the Tower of Babel, or some call it the Tower of Babel, God confused their language because of arrogancy and because of pride, and the people were dispersed. Look at the dispersion that took place. We were just reading it from all these different countries. It said under heaven. It, it, it caused people to, to separate and to go their own way because they were proud and they thought, we can reach the heavens, we can do this, we really don't need God. We can, we can go up to the heavens and, and we can have a time with, with God. And and God is like, no. And he confused the language. But because of Jesus, because of the coming of Jesus, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, and now the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, there is a declaration that the gospel is for all people, all languages, from wherever you come from. And it even, you say, well, it's just for Jewish people. No, even here, the last part, we see that these were people who, converted to Judaism. They became followers of God, even though they weren't Jewish. And this was a declaration they could all hear and understand and respond to the gospel. The promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gospel message is for all people in all nations. And that's why I love being part of this movement of Harvest Bible Chapel that has churches not just here in North America, but are spreading and, and actually multiplying at even a faster rate around the world. God's doing amazing things in Romania. We had one of their, their pastors, Christian Barbosa, who, who was almost driven out of, out of the whole church scene there because they, they just, I mean, just jealousy and confusion about uh, just what God was doing there and, and how they've stood up and, and, and have continued to proclaim the word of God and the gospel is growing. Um, there's a great place where some of you may just have to go vacation and you could make it very a spiritual vacation, uh, would be St. Vincent. God is doing a great thing on the Caribbean island of St. Vincent and, and churches are, are multiplying and growing there and, and, and it's exciting to see what's going on. The gospel is for all people in all nations. And here's, here's kind of the funny thing in verse 7 though. Here, here's kind of the kicker because this is confusing them. Remember, their eyes are bulging out. How is this happening? How is this miracle taking place? Because they look and say, these people are all Galileans. <laughs> now, if 
if we lived there in that culture and understood, we would understand what that means because Galileans um, weren't necessarily known for being kind of, you know what, the sharpest knife in the drawer. I mean, they were kind of looked upon as almost kind of that hillbilly, redneck, um, not very well educated. They would have had accents that would have just given them away. Maybe perhaps the way they dressed, it was like, oh yeah, that's a Galilean. And, and I mean, they were kind of looked down upon, right? And these people are blown away. These are Galileans who are speaking the mighty deeds of God in our language. It's not, this isn't happening because they're educated, because they aren't educated. I mean, and I, I must confess that um, sometimes when you hear people from other parts of North America, you hear them speak with certain accents, and it just gives it away of where they're from. And I think of some from, um, what is it, Newfoundland or Newfoundland? Uh, a number of years ago in Alberta, our neighbor, he, he was from Newfoundland and, and he was in the military and, and his, his father came to visit and I was outside working uh, on, on my fence and, and his father came out and we were chatting, he was visiting from Newfoundland and, and he was talking like, wow, this guy, I mean, that's a rich accent, like, that's pretty strong. And, and at one point he was saying, yeah, he says, now I've been retarded for, um, for, for, for five years now. And I said, pardon me? And he says, yeah, I've been retarded for five years. And I thought... Dude, you shouldn't say that about yourself. Like, you don't seem like you're slow or anything, you know, I mean. And, and, and then I realized he was saying retired. He had been retired for, for five years. Oh, okay, maybe it was me having the problem, I guess. But, but again, down in Chicago this past week, we spent some time chatting with um, a young guy from, from Kansas City, from, from the States, and he spent a lot of time in Virginia, and he had quite a strong accent. And so I was riding him a little bit and just even saying to him, I said, um, Man, I said, you've got a strong accent. He says, are you kidding me? He says, you guys have the strong accent. And I'm like, dude, we're speaking properly. We're speaking like the proper English. Those people over in, in London, they don't have it right. You know, I said, because I said, after all, and take notice of this. I said, how come whenever you people sing or people from England or from another, you know, who have an accent, how come they all sing and sound like us? Think about it. They, don't, they lose their accents when they sing, right? And he says, no, man, you're the one that loses your accent when, you're sing, when you sing. And I said, no, you can't be serious. He says, yeah, I'm serious. And I said, but you guys lose your accent. And it's just this whole confusion of language. Can't you just see how language can be such a confusion, uh, confusing kind of a thing? And here, the Holy Spirit brings unity to the language. Because Galileans, they were not known. They did not have a reputation for being great linguists. So this intrigued the people even more. They were perplexed, amazed. What's going on? It got their interest. And what that did is it set it up for a mighty work of God. That when, and we'll get to this next week, when the word of God gets preached, what happens when the word is spoken? If you can remember what we just talked about, what happens when the, God's word is spoken? Life happens. Spiritual life takes place. And it happens today. When God's word gets spoken, Creation, life happens. But in verse 13, it says, but some mocked. And they said, these people are drunk. I mean, this is 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. I guess maybe they, they figured they were into the breakfast beer or something like that because, uh, you know what, they were just like, ah, come on, these people are just drunk and, and they're carrying on like this. But you know what, this serves as a very powerful reminder, folks that while some will be intrigued and some will, will respond to the working of God and to, 
the, the might and, and the goodness of our God, there will also be those who will mock and try to explain it away and give a rational explanation. But this would not stop them from declaring the gospel. Instead, the gospel forged ahead like a wildfire. And the result? They were empowered for mission. They were empowered to serve God. Power to the people to do great and mighty things for God. And the people are going, this is happening. What Jesus promised. He said we would be clothed with power from on high. And he said we would be witnesses of him. And, and it's happening. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the lives of that 120 believers set the stage for the miraculous to happen. And they were just getting started. These people were transformed by the gospel. They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And a wildfire took place. So what does that mean for us today? What does this passage, how do we apply this passage to our own lives? So do we need another Pentecost with the sound of a mighty rushing wind, with, with tongues of fire? Is that needed today in the church, of, church in Canada? Is that needed around the world? Remember, I said earlier that Pentecost was a one-time epic event. But what we do need, because that is when the Holy Spirit was given, but what we do need is fresh fillings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The power they received is what is so desperately needed in our own lives today. And most of us, we haven't tapped into that Spirit's power. God's Word teaches that when we receive Christ into our lives, when we understand the sacrifice that God made by sending His one and only Son to this earth, who lived on this earth, who faced the same trials and the temptations that we faced, who lived a servant life, lived a sinless life, and then died like a criminal on the cross, absorbing our sin, took the wrath that we so deserve, took the punishment for our sins so that we can be forgiven. So that when God looks upon us, He doesn't see a sinful person filled with the wrath of God, that when He looks upon us, He sees His Son Jesus. He sees the sacrifice that He made. And when we take that and we live that in our lives and we receive Christ in that way, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives. And that's what happened. Just You can read a little bit later in, in chapter 2 here. The people repented of their sins. They were baptized. That day, they, there was no waiting period. They just like, let's get down to the river. Let's get you baptized. And it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came into them. And it changed their lives. Transformed them. Salvation is a one-time event that takes place, but the filling of the Holy Spirit, it's needed daily in our lives. It's the ongoing need for power, for us to be empowered to serve God. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't get drunk on wine. That just leads to debauchery. That leads to sin. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and the words there are continual filling. Continue to continually be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Daily, there needs to be brokenness and emptying of ourselves and say, God, without you I can't do it. But God, with your Spirit's power in me and, and receiving His Holy Spirit daily by faith in our lives, there's power. 
It was these group of people, these 120 that were waiting, emptying of themselves, realizing that without the power of the Spirit, what, what Jesus had promised them, that they were done, that there was no way they could be witnesses, no way they could be um, disciples and go out and to make more disciples. They knew they needed to be clothed with power from on high. And as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are changed, we are transformed by Christ. And as that change happens, sanctification, the word for that, is a process that we are changed little by little. And as that transformation happens, as we continue to, to just live out the gospel and, and, and apply the gospel into our own lives, change starts happening. And people notice that. And as we're speaking the, the mighty deeds of God, it sends a message to those around us. And as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, and are changed and transformed, the Lord speaks in a mighty way to others. It was many years ago now, as I look back, that I really understood this truth in my own life. And it was in my college years, in, in between my third and fourth year, I was going away to Terrace, British Columbia, going from Regina, Saskatchewan, up to Terrace, British Columbia for my, for my internship as, um, as part of my um, degree program that I was in. And I'm telling you, I was so filled with fear. I got in that little Mazda 323 and I was driving and I made it to Edmonton one day and stopped with some friends and I continued on and I went to Burns Lake the next day and stayed in a hotel and, and then I continued on. But just outside of Burns Lake, on my way to Terrace, I was one day away, I was going to be arriving there that day, I just had a meltdown and I said, I can't do this. There is no way I can go and be an intern pastor for the summer months. I took a summer internship and I just thought, there's no way I can do this because he's already told me I have to preach in front of people. He's already told me that I have to, um, you know, I get up on my first Sunday and give a little um, information about myself because fear and just thinking there's no way I could ever do this. I'm not smart enough. I'm not gifted enough. I can't speak. I mean, in the speech classes in, in school, I didn't do well. It, it, it was a struggle for me to get up. And just the Sunday before, I, I stood up at Hillsdale Alliance Church on a Sunday night and my pastor was interviewing me and he was asking me where I was going and 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 so then he, he I was standing behind this great big wooden pulpit and it was a good thing it was big and it was wooden and it was not a see-through kind of thing because literally as I was sharing with the people my backside the cheeks there were going like this the whole time I was speaking and I was so afraid and it was good because then I think that led to my knees shaking and I'm up there and I'm and so as I'm now a few days later on my way to you know just outside of Burns Lake and I'm thinking I can't do this. There is absolutely no way because if I was that afraid getting up and speaking in front of my home church, people who've loved me, who have walked with me, who are praying for me, how can I ever do this? And I remember getting on, just pulling the car aside, sitting on the hood of the car, and I was just about, okay, God, I don't know where I'm at. And it was there where I was empty. I was broken. And I was saying, oh, God, I need you. I need you. I need the indwelling presence of the Spirit in my life. And then I was done praying. And I thought, am I going to pull a U-turn? Go back to Regina, go back to the farm and enjoy farming life the rest of my life? I mean, that had a big attraction for me. Or am I going to, by faith, keep driving west? And I really didn't know what was going to happen. And it was at that time, it was just like, all of a sudden, I just continue to keep driving west. 
And I walked day by day in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was an amazing experience. Not to say that I walked up and, hey, Terrace Alliance Church, how you doing? I mean, absolutely not. There was a reliance. It wasn't a cockiness. It wasn't a confidence that comes from yourself. It's from the Holy Spirit filling us for tasks. It's the Holy Spirit that changes, that transforms us and does that work in us, that takes away the fear and gives us the strength of Christ, takes away our lack of faith and gives us faith and boldness, helps us in the struggles of areas of sin, of addiction, of struggles, frees us from guilt and from bondage. It is the more and more that we need Christ in our lives, but we must empty ourselves. That's where we confess, we repent of the sins that we have committed. And, and I don't know about you, but that happens to me on a daily basis, that I need to do that. And it's day after day that I need the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling in my life. And how does that come to us? It comes through Jesus the work that he has done for us. He desires to fill us anew and afresh. Uh, um, one of the, the neat things we were able to do while we were in Chicago, we went downtown and my uncle, he pastors at the Moody Church, which is celebrating its 150th year this, this past, um, here in 2014, 150 years of preaching the gospel. And it was pretty interesting just being there in, in the life and the legacy of, of the great evangelist D.L. Moody and just the work that, that he did starting 150 years ago and continues on today. But someone asked him because he always, in his, as he would preach, he would call people and remind them to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he talked about how every day he needed a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit in his life. Someone said, why do you do that? Why do you keep asking me filled with the Holy Spirit every day? And he says, because I leak. Sure we do. We leak through sinfulness, through fear, and we get emptied out pretty fast. And that is why I just even love the theme for Harvest Kelowna this, in, in our first ministry year, is trusting God for immeasurably more. That He would fill us more and more of Himself every day of our lives. That we would be people with, here's what He says, with humble and contrite hearts, People who tremble at his word. He says, I don't deny that. I'm going to empower that life. I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. Listen to the words of Jesus. He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Are you thirsty today? Are you thirsty? Are you... Are you dry? Dry spiritually? Dry emotionally? Dry in relationships? The Holy Spirit in us brings an oasis of life. And not just to us, but it flows out of us. The Holy Spirit, it was given for witness, for us to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. And the way that we're witnesses is by, by us being changed and transformed. It's not just the words we speak, it's our actions that are changing. It's a joy that we're experiencing in our lives that we're changing from being that grumpy person who's negative or whatever it might be, and we're experiencing the joy of the Holy Spirit. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to continue to see what God did in the lives of the people and of the church that was empowered by the Holy Spirit. That was power to the people. It was in Acts 2 when power to the people came. And lives were changed. Life happened. And it can happen again today.